Good day, friends of Buzzy. Well, it's been a minute since I have updated everyone on the exciting developments with COVID-19. So today we are going to talk about the pediatric vaccine trials and the effectiveness of pediatric vaccines. We're going to talk about why, even though the cases are going up and the variants are more common than usual, I'm still very hopeful about our survival as a human race and talk a little bit about where we are with the nasal irrigation data that I have talked about for so long. So let's go ahead and start with the pediatric vaccines. Pfizer announced today, March 31st, that for children aged 12 to 15, the vaccine was 100% effective at preventing symptomatic disease. This is 2,000 kids, really effective, and it's very promising for getting in even younger kids. The studies are on now by both Moderna and Pfizer for younger age patients. Now, there is debate inexplicably about whether or not we should vaccinate children against COVID-19. This is as stupid as debating whether or not we should allow businesses to have a vaccine card or a card that says you are not able to get vaccinated because you're a transplant patient or whatever. I mean, the reason we vaccinate children is first of all, to protect kids that are undergoing treatment for leukemia or to protect someone who can't get vaccinated really and truly so that everybody else keeps the disease away. This is the whole herd concept, is the really strong members of the herd outside protect the weak ones inside. So how many vaccines do we give children? Now, we've talked about the fact that there are 36 separate injections that kids get between the ages of zero and six, but the most important ones are the ones that are given in the two, four, six month period. So what are we trying to protect kids from? Well, pertussis. How many pertussis deaths were there last year? 17. How many COVID deaths have we had in children so far? 238. COVID's worse. Flu. How many flu deaths have we had in the most recent time period? 110. How many COVID deaths? 238. Um, nope, 268, I got the number, 268. So COVID's more than twice as bad as flu for children. Measles deaths, uh, almost none, but rubella, 50. And that is about a fraction of 268. So my point here is that we're already protecting as a nation, children from diseases that have many fewer deaths than COVID-19. So of course we should vaccinate them, duh. This is not anything other than a political concern if people are wanting to hold off or say that children shouldn't get vaccinated because COVID's a lot more dangerous for them than it is for other people. So, or than it is than the other viruses are that we already routinely vaccinate against. So that's easy. Now, Pfizer and Moderna, those tests for the younger children, it's probably going to be a one-year and up type thing, and it's probably not going to be available until late fall for younger children. So Pfizer has already submitted the data, hoping that we can give kids the vaccine earlier for 12 to 15-year-olds that we know it's very effective for. So stay tuned for that. Very exciting.
Now, the next big COVID question is, what about all these variants? Cases are on the rise. Younger people, and by younger, I mean 45 to uh, 65, so my demographic, we younger people are more of the hospitalizations that are being seen now. And the B117 variant is about a quarter of the cases that are being identified. None of this is surprising. All this is is a reflection that we're doing a really good job of vaccinating older people. But today, a paper in Oxford Springer, which is an accepted manuscript, came out and said that the T cells, so the CD8 T cells, these are the ones that are the, the library of the instruction on how to make antibodies to fight the disease. So the instructions that are in the library are protecting people who are either vaccinated or have gotten COVID, they're protecting them from the new variants. So even if we don't have complete immunity from getting sick, it should dramatically reduce the likelihood that we are going to get new variants that are going to be deadly. So that is huge because early on, we were discussing the fact that healthcare workers weren't getting sick as much. I talked to a friend of mine in New York who is an emergency doctor like me. And the emergency doctor said that all of those guys are talking about the fact that the emergency physicians in New York were not getting sick, but the neonatologists were getting sick. And the reason is because emergency doctors have been exposed to everything under the sun. It's like palm olive. When you talk about germs, we're soaking in it every day, in and out, winter especially. If you're in the emergency room, you are getting snotted on like nobody's business. Sneezes straight in the face, you're doing a strep swab and they cough right at you. So this was before we had widespread face masks. We've been exposed to everything. And that's probably one of the reasons that pediatricians were less likely to get severely ill from COVID than their neonatology partners who are in the room, sterile rooms with babies who have just been born and aren't sick with anything yet. So the hypothesis last May or June was that T-cell immunity from other coronaviruses that pediatricians have been exposed to was protecting them. May not have completely protected them, but a lot. Sure enough, this Oxford paper supports that idea that the current coronavirus is protective against the new strains. So even if we still have some degree of chance of getting sick, it's not the same deadly tabula rasa effect when our immune system is completely ignorant. So that's fantastic. That's really good because you know we've got COVID-19. Honestly, now we have COVID-21 and we're likely to have COVID-20s as well. So whether it's a South Africa variant, the B117 from the UK, a new California variant, our T cells from being sick and vaccinated should be good for us. Now, along those lines though, how can you reduce the amount and severity of being sick if you have gotten one of the new variants or going forward in the future and years from now when we're still getting different kinds of COVID variants. Well, as you all know, I have been looking at nasal irrigation as a form of mitigation of severity of COVID. We enrolled 79 people. We started them off on nasal irrigation, either with betadine or just re regular nasal irrigation with a little, with a little baking soda. And 
just got the results yesterday that the average day amount of days until people cleared their symptoms was four days. Why does this matter? Because last month a paper came out that showed that 106 people in Florida who they followed to see what their symptom level was like after they tested positive, 17 days of symptoms. So we're looking more closely at our data and comparing it, but it looks like using nasal irrigation twice a day was able to decrease the severity of illness to clear out the symptoms by day four. So even if we have all of these COVID-21 and 22 variants that are still circulating, if we know we're in a dangerous situation or if we are exposed, the beauty of COVID has always been it's a very slow grower. It's really slow at replicating. The incubation period is long. Once you catch it, it takes a while for you to manifest the symptoms. So this means that if you know you're exposed, you get tested, you're positive, but you don't have symptoms yet, using nasal irrigation, even if you do have symptoms, may be a way to mitigate the severity. We're still waiting to get our control data. So hopefully mid-April, we will know exactly how many people who didn't irrigate went to the hospital or went to the emergency room versus those who did. But at least there is light at the end of the tunnel. And this is something that sheds light and gives us light as a human species for years to come when we're talking about what about all these COVID variants. So if you haven't seen the nasal irrigation, um, look at some of our links here, here, I don't know. Look at the links to see what we are uh, talking about with Neomed or Navage on how to do nasal irrigation to cleanse out the area where the SARS-CoV-2 virus sets up shop. Join us again every other week when I talk about what's going on with the newest data. And to summarize, yeah, children should get vaccinated. Unfortunately, they'll be able to soon. Don't worry so much about the variants. If you're sick or you're vaccinated, that's going to help mitigate severity enormously. And soon we'll have a manuscript on exactly how much nasal irrigation after you test positive can help. Until then, please go check out um, hashtag hacks, hack the vax. Jody Foster's Meg Foundation put that together using Buzzy and a lot of other tips on how to get vaccinated, even if you're afraid. And vaccinate for love, which is a group of New Yorkers that are putting together support for people to get vaccinated even if you're afraid or don't want to just do it because you love the person that you're taking care of and uh, we'll see you next time thanks everybody <laughs>